welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> and Adam's going to pick it up with the... Uh, yes, yes I am. Big butt. Yes. Adam. <laughs> Dr. Adam? Yes. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Step nine. Uh, that starts on page 76 in the big book. Um, There's a, the big book breaks it up into a few different amends, or nature of the amends, I should say. Um, you got, uh, it says most sex hogs are money, so monetary. Uh, they have a little discussion on any criminal offense that may have been committed. Um, and then um, domestic troubles and then there's some of which uh, Robert mentioned this earlier briefly then there's some that uh, we may never be able to fully amend that they discuss in here um, and just to go through these uh, briefly here. Um, and first, I think it's important to note on page 77, where, and Robert alluded to this earlier as well, if, if I have an amend to make, it, this is really just in the spirit of honesty and no pharisaical BS. Just, uh, I need to be straightforward about the innate, what realize what the nature of the amend is. And when I go to make the amend, I make it in that regard, knowing what I'm making the amend about, and that I'm not going to go emphasize my spirituality when it's not needed over a, you know, I threw eggs at your house and when I was a little 13-year-old brat, and I'm going to say the Our Father for you. For a year, I mean, he's probably not going to want to hear that. Or if I busted a window with a BB gun or something of that nature, I offer, how could, you know, I'll buy you a new window. How much do you think that would cost for this type of window you have, or what have you? Um, so, therefore, when I go to make the amend, it says at the bottom of page 77 or bottom paragraph or first paragraph, bottom sentence, he is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. The whole saying of I'd rather 
see a sermon than hear one thing. And um, and really what I see here is is a beginning introduction of being able to carry a message in this this going to make an amend uh, and to some degree I think I think that in the amendments that I've made that I can you know demonstrate the miracle that's occurred in my life by going back and trying to make these things right to a degree yeah? I, I um, then will share on uh, right here where it talks about you know the monetary uh, page 78. Most sexaholics owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Um, uh, let's see. Approached in the right way, the most ruthless creditor will sometimes surprise us. Um, and back to the willingness in step eight. Um, when I made my men's list and I had this pretty significant list of down in Mount Pleasant, I'm from Charleston but grew up in Mount Pleasant spent a lot of time downtown in Charleston too but uh, I had the Piggly Wiggly grocery store, the food line the Shell gas station, the BP the Hess, the DDDD almost every freaking little store in the area of which Adam had gone into and Decided that I was entitled to. Um, that's when they used to keep the cigarettes at the front there, and uh, that, or that, um, being that it was a little difficult to to get beer, I'd just uh, take it, put it in my pants, and wore pants big enough to where I was able to walk out, and nobody would notice. And these types of activities that were done on a really regular basis, and uh, um, we were able to. If we went in there with enough of us, we were able to get plenty of plenty of bottles of wine or whatever to for the evening. And so, along with other things, we 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 had just a, a crazy time. And um, so, you know, I have all, I had all these places listed out. And what I did is I got with my sponsor and um, I made a guesstimated amount of how much I owed each one of these places. Yeah, it was hard to come up with an exact amount, you know, over a period of time. I, I think I stole this amount of money in merchandise or what have you from your store. And um, so what I did is, uh, you know, I was away at college, but I would come home. And when I had a period of time, I got in my car and I went to each place and I had, I had saved up the money. And I walked in, and I didn't, of course, flash it, but I had it in my pocket. And I went in, and I told them what I did. I apologized, and most of them, their eyes, you know, they were very surprised. <laughs> one one place, uh, food line, uh, the guy, the guy was just ecstatic. He was he was beside himself, and I I was just going in there to make an amend, nervous as hell, wondering. I had no idea what, his, what what he was going to do, and he he took me back to the back and showed me to the head manager. And it's like this guy came in here and is trying to pay us back for some beer he stole, and they were they were just really excited about us. All right. <laughs> so I don't think many of them accepted any any of the money. They said, well, 
good for you and, and, and basically with the idea of just keep doing what you're doing and you know, don't do it anymore basically. And, um, one, one place I think asked me, well you know there's this, there's this uh, place downtown that, that's doing a lot of fundraising, something for cancer. And so I think it'd be good maybe if you donated some money to this to this place and gave me some information for it, I think, and I wrote them a check and I think with a little letter or something and and uh, that was an amend to that store and um, and I remember having a really cool, clear experience of I, I think I got done with one of them. And I, and I sat back in my car, and I was, and I just kind of was overwhelmed with feelings of relief and, and knowing that I'm on the right road, man. I'm, I'm starting to really get getting getting to the stream of good living here, and this, and I'm really cleaning up my past now. And uh, when I first came out of treatment, going around Charleston and Mount Pleasant was such that everywhere I was, it was I had this memory of doing this here and here and here and there and just all over the place and just no real peace in being there. All negative associations. And and now when I go back, it's really just not there. Um, I've, I've, I've now gained positive experience from being home. Of course, I had it when I was younger, but but, but um, now when I go home, it's it's all real positive. And um, but I remember sitting in my car after doing one of those amends, and uh, some of the promises that I had heard in meetings where we where we read um, um, came to mind clearly, and I was like, "Wow, I really feel that, and I think that's happening for me right now." Uh, where the heck are they? Don't it? <laughs> so you know, um, going to know a new freedom and a new happiness will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. He's reading from the bottom of page eighty. Bottom of page eighty-three, and uh, you know, you hear these in meetings all the time. But but, God forbid, if we just. <clears throat> Mechanically read through these and just hear them as the dead of the promises are just going to come through. That no, they're they're really they're really significant things for a drunk like me. And and when when I started to experience this, a new freedom and a new happiness. Not regretting the past, I'm cleaning up what I had done wrong. And not wishing to shut the door on it. I go home now and I'm at peace. I'm fine. I can walk around in Mount Pleasant and just be as happy as can be. And uh, walk into any store and know they aren't going to kick me out because I have a trespassing notice because I stole from them and all this type of thing. Uh, Will know serenity and peace. Didn't know that. Didn't know that before program. Fleeting moments. I thought that uh, enough uh, crazy sex, drugs, and alcohol would give it to me, but um, it was not. It was not uh, legitimate. Um, no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we'll see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. That's a, that was a huge. That's a huge one right there for me. 
um, because I had so many strong feelings of just bitter morass, self-pity, and uselessness, and that I, that I was just a piece of crap. Um, you know, a piece of crap, masturbating pothead that was good for nothing, and and um, that that started that lie started to be really broken apart. And God's love really started to enter to expel that. Um, as I, you know, as I was working through the steps here, and as I continue to uh, lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows, self-seeking seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change, as LB was saying earlier. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us intuitively know how, we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us, and we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves, and. It's been a lot of time on each one of those, but um, the the ability to go sit down for about an hour with an ex girlfriend. This was this was a couple of summers ago. And it took a while to get this to to, to line up from being at college six hours away and, and finding Kyle and not having seen her for like six years. And uh, we met at a Starbucks. And the last time I saw her, we were probably not doing good things. And um, and uh, I sat down with my card that I worked with with my sponsor, and I wrote in this. This is the way I did 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 my most recent amends and the ones with her. A little little four by six card. Kyle, I know I harmed you, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Engaged in sexual activity all the time on drugs and whatever. However, however it panned out, I made sure that I owned it for me and didn't point any fingers with my sponsor's help. And I said that, and then I flipped around on the backside, and then you have the questions: um, Are there any harms that I may not know about? And then I just sit there and, and, and listen and write if I needed to. Um, can you tell me how any of this hurt you? You know, if, if if I didn't make it clear enough. And then the last question is, what can I do to make this right? And uh, that was not easy to do, particularly with her. And um, but uh, the healing that I think that came as a result of doing that, especially with uh, present wonderful young lady that I'm with that seems as if we're, we're headed towards getting married. We were together at that point in time and, and she was always asking about this girl and, well, what if you see her again? Do you think you're going to get involved with her? And it caused Claire, her without lots of grief. She was always worried about it. Hadn't been an issue since. I told, I told her, I'm going to go make amends with Kyle. I'm going to do this. And then I, I have no reason to really see her again. Uh, apparently, God bless her. I don't. I don't know if Kyle's cleaned up uh, from the impressions she gave me. But but um, um, that, as well as some some of the other, as I won't go through each one, was so has been so important. Obviously, just absolutely vital in, in me getting synced up with with uh, 
with God and, and, and the people around me so that, so that I can continue on in life and be able to, to look the world just at perfect peace and ease as much as possible and, and not be afraid about meeting somebody on the street uh, that I did such and such to back when. And uh, recently, actually, there are, um, you know, I, you, obviously you can only share on the experience that you have, right? And I have, I have not done every, every amends from uh, eight years, yeah, before getting into the program, uh, 10, 15 years, from 10 or 15 years ago, let's say. Uh, some of them have been hard to get in touch with. Um, I've tried. I've left messages, I've called, I've, I've done these things, and you now I can do so much. I'm not going to stalk anybody. Okay. Um, out of the blue, this is one of the guys I tried to contact because uh, when he and his family went out of town, we um, broke into his apartment, partied in it for a while, and literally physically destroyed it. And it was a mess, and uh, police got involved in everything. This is one of my friends, right? Close friends. Uh, um, he introduced me into. <laughs> <laughs> that was back when. Uh, so oh, you're okay. good. You're good now. <laughs> you're all right. And uh, this is he. He introduced me into the the life down in Mount Pleasant. The 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 little criminal crap that we got involved in anyway and it and he the other day I got a random message from him on the computer out of nowhere asking how I was and uh, it's been a long time I said okay there you go and he's, he's in Washington D.C. and uh, I talked about it with my sponsor and I'm going to message him back see how his family's doing and, and just kind of ease into it there and, and Use this as an opportunity to try to to make an amend with his mother, and uh, if it's God's will for me to do that, then then it will occur. Um, Adam, can I ask you something? Do, yes, do, ask. The amends you were talking about, Kyle, the four questions. Can you repeat those? The, here's, here's oh. What I did. Okay. Okay, so um, this is the way I've done it. The front part of the cord card, of course, doing all this with the guidance of the sponsor, it's helped me stay on track so I don't divert into any of my BS, which I can do at any time. Uh, so, front of the card, put the person's name. I have harmed you by. Fill in the blank, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. And, and I and I read that to them, and then uh, flip it over, and then on the back it's um, are are there any harms that I may not know about? Can you tell me how any of this hurt you? And last one is how can I make this right? Now, on some of them it's clear what I need to do to make it right, and. I've just gone ahead and offered. I was drunk one night and I broke my... This was real smart. Uh, my stepfather had a diesel truck he kept underneath the house. They were at home. And I decided I wanted to go get some more. And so I, I cranked the diesel truck up. And everybody was awake and I was 
well, it was pretty well lit at that point in time, and it was going to drive out the backyard. It's crazy, and broke the rearview mirror and everything. It was, a, it was a you know big truck, so it was an expensive repair. And uh, so I went to him and I told him he knew what I did, obviously. And so I said, you know, back back when I, you know, I did this and um, I saved the money, whatever, um, or I will save the money to pay you back. And you know, so for something like that where it's really clear what I need to do, I just offer, you know, um, and see what the response is. Um, and uh, my own experience. With, with working with it uh, has been, um, you know, they have this little description of, uh, on page 82, uh, bottom paragraph, the sexaholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. We should freaking type that out, put it in 54 type print and put it in every meeting. He's like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined to his wife. He remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Um... And uh, so here, I you know you picture with a tornado, everything the most damage is done at the center, but it does work the way out. So, uh, in working with my sponsor, I saw the most important amends to make first would be the right, right, the immediate family, mom, <coughs> dad, uh, siblings, um, uh, grandparents still around, and um, and uh, then aunts, uncles. Etc. and then work out like that, and, and that's how I, um, that's how I related to it there. Um, so anyway, uh, spiritual life is not a theory; we have to live it, and this is, this is where we really, really begin to to do that um, with some real concrete action. Um, uh, and, and in God's time, I believe. I will be at com- complete peace with all of my amends, and hopefully this one from this guy will work out. And, and it's, uh, you know, the, the amends is, my amends are a living amends, and especially to my family. Um, the amends continue today, and, and it's how I live my life a day at a time that, that is really making it right to my, to my family and, and to God's creation. And, uh, I guess that's what I got on the ninth step. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Can I have something just real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is just something that someone <coughs> said it's helpful to me. The ninth step promises. I always got hung up on no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we can experience the benefit of it. Uh-huh. I always just have, you know, uh, you know, I've done some bad things, but a lot of people I know, most people in the program, you know, have really been far down the scale, you know. And uh, so, uh, you know, back again came my sense of inadequacy to help people who may have done some things way worse than me. And I was talking to somebody about this. And he said, it says no matter how far down the scale we have gone, 
and he added uh, an inch or a mile. And, uh, oh, okay. Not, not specific. You know, it doesn't matter how far down or how far up, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that was that was helpful to me, like to get over the whole hump. But mm-hmm. you know, here's another reason why I'm happy to help somebody. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Alvin. Thank you. Richard. I'm actually your physical now, You have it right, and I often get that question. And what the book says is physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional, and PMES. And think about it. I think that you would be far better making that determination yourself than uh, me giving you what my idea of it is. And that's generally my answer. And um, I think that each of us will have our own opinion of what that is and how it breaks down depending upon how our behaviors work. And I think that that's probably more appropriate than anything that I could say. But I think it's an excellent issue, and one that needs to be addressed at some point. Okay, well, but can you explain what is a mental, um, you know, uh, what, what, what do you mean by mental? I was bad, I was a pretty angry person in my mind, or what do you mean? We think mental means. You know, the literature isn't real clear about that, but we know what mental and emotional is. But where is the line between those two things? I don't. I don't know. But if you've been uh, mentally playing with someone toying with them, jerking them around. I think that that would be uh, part of a mental amend. Emotional might be, and where, you know, where's the line between that and emotional? You know, I don't know. David. And I have a little tendency to use that as one thing to kind of keep myself up. And I think that's some of the reason why I've avoided some of the nice stuff in there. Um, I know you work, I think, also in an arm program as well. And being able to make a man from my arm, if I take responsibility for other stuff. We're going to be getting into that in a couple of minutes. Good point, though. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Good judgment, and if you want to follow along, 
uh, step nine, the 12 and 12. Good judgment, a careful sense of timing. Careful sense of timing. Courage and prudence. Courage. Courage is an interesting word. And it comes from the old French uh, word for heart. Cure. C-O-U-E-R. And when we get in touch with the feelings of our heart, we can demonstrate courage. I used to think the courage was, you know, uh, Audi Murphy running down the battlefield, dodging bullets and shooting and and, uh, stuff like that. That may be a form of courage. I think that a deeper form of courage is the one that we face many times every day, and, uh, and that is the courage to be true. You know, how am I going to be true to the God of my understanding? How am I going to be true to my values? Uh, Courage. Courage and prudence. These are the qualities we shall need when we take step nine. After we have made a list of people we have harmed, have reflected carefully upon each instance. And in uh, step eight, one of the keys was uh, calm, Thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight. Calm, thoughtful reflection upon personal relations can deepen our insight. So, we have reflected carefully upon each instance and have tried to possess ourselves of the right attitude in which to proceed. We will see that the making of direct amends divides those we should approach into several classes. There will be those who ought to be dealt with just as soon as we become reasonably confident that we can maintain our sobriety. Okay? So, on the people beside the amends list, we have a PMES or some combination thereof. And then we either have an immediate, you know, that we're going to uh, do this amend as soon as possible. There will be those to whom we can make only partial restitution, lest complete disclosures do them or others more harm than good. So there may be a partial restitution beside each name on the list or not. There will be those cases where action ought to be deferred. So now we have a deferred that we can add in there if we need to. And still others in which, by the very nature of the situation, we shall never be able to make direct, direct, personal contact at all. So, there it kind of defines things in terms of time. Uh, While we, if you turn the page, uh, I think on the next paragraph though, much, I think the last sentence in that paragraph, while we may be quite willing to reveal the very worst, we must be sure to remember that we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of another. We cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of another. And a lot of people come into the program early and you know want to go home and tell their spouse about all they're acting out, and we all know that that is not a good idea. Uh, and what it is really is inconsiderate that uh, in my opinion now uh, it's like while I'm quite willing to discuss any of my stuff with my wife it's not in her best interest and the reason that I say that is because she's not a sexaholic she doesn't understand 
don't understand what, what powerlessness, what triggers, and such a life. And it scares the heck out of them. I mean, they can't control it. They didn't cause it. And every time I walk out the door, she wonders, is this going to be the time? Is this going to be the time that he cheats on me or he, you know, does something inappropriate? And, you know, it's like, eh. What we do when we do that is we really rob them, just like stealing, of a sense of security. And we have no right to do that. Now, it may be that it comes to that. But I'm not sure that's where we need to start. While we may be quite willing to reveal the very worst, we must be sure to remember that we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of another. Uh, a little bit further in the next uh, paragraph, it says, First, we will wish to be reasonably certain that we are on the SA beam. How do you know whether or not you're on the SA beam? Then work in the steps. Yeah. Then we are ready to go to these people, tell them what SA is and what we're trying to do. Uh, not sure about that. You know, against this background, we can freely admit the damage we have done. And make our apologies. Yes. However, and I could be I could be wrong here, but the way I interpret this is. You know, and it talked about prudence there at the beginning. If we go up and tell people that I'm a sexaholic, a sex addict, you know, what's their first thought? You know, pervert. You know, pedophile. And uh, and are they hearing what I'm saying after that? <laughs> Probably not. And we've already characterized ourselves in such a way that whatever we say is going to be most likely misunderstood, misinterpreted. But now with guys that I'm working these steps with that, you know, are AA as well, you can certainly admit, you know, that I have an alcohol or drug problem and, you know, you don't have to get into the S stuff and just say that I've acted inappropriately or, you know, I've acted out of my character defects and whatever it is, lying, cheating, stealing, uh, greed, thief, whatever. Impatience, intolerance, <coughs> inconsiderate, uh, meanness, just plain mean. Uh, with this straight essay, it's a little more difficult because you can't really lie and say, you know, I have chemical addiction. Well, I guess you could if you want to stretch it. But suffice to say, you know, they know that we're screwed up. Otherwise, we wouldn't have treated them like that, right? I mean, they know that we've harmed them, by and large. And, uh, and that, you know, we weren't Prince Charming to begin with. So if we go to them and say that, you know, I've had some personality problems and some sick thinking for a long time and I am in a 12-step recovery program. And part of that recovery program is making amends to those I have harmed and you're on that list. And I would like to apologize for you know, whatever the bad behavior. And they understand that. Everybody knows about 12-step programs these days. And probably, you know, it's 
pretty much fills the bill there. However, if they persist and, you know, which 12-step program? I'm not ready on... I'm not ready to reveal that at this point. Maybe someday I'll get there, but I'm not really ready to share that at this point. If you're comfortable with that or not, I know you know you have to figure it out for yourself. But I mean, that seems to fill most people's bill. Uh, we're going to turn the page again, and with the. Uh, paragraph that starts, as soon as we begin to feel confident in our new way in our new way of life and have begun by our behavior and example to convince those about us that we are indeed changing for the better, it's usually safe to talk in complete frankness with those who have been seriously affected, even those who may be only a little or not at all aware of what we have done to them. The only exceptions we will make will be cases where our disclosure would cause actual harm. These conversations can begin in a casual or natural way, but if no such opportunity presents itself at some point, we will want to summon all our courage, head straight to the person concerned, and lay our cards on the table. We needn't wallow in excessive remorse before those we have harmed, but amends at this level should always be forthright and generous. Generous. Not miserly, not stingy, Generous. You know, not he's harmed me, and now he wants to come back, and he's he's going to do me down to you know, you know. Eh, that's not the the attitude with which we want to lead them. It does not lighten our burden when we recklessly make the crosses of others heavier. Uh, Many a razor's edge question can arise in other departments of life where the same principle is involved. Suppose, for instance, that we have uh, spent a good chunk of our firm's money, whether by borrowing on a heavily padded expense account, uh, whether by borrow, borrowing or on a heavily padded expense account. Suppose that this may continue to go in undetected if we say nothing. Do we instantly confess our irregularities to the firm in the practical certainty that we'll be fired and become unemployable? Are we going to be so rigidly righteous about making amends that we don't care what happens to the family and home? Or do we first consult those who are to be gravely affected? Do we lay the matter before our spiritual sponsor, before our sponsor or spiritual advisor, earnestly asking God's help and guidance? Meanwhile, resolving, one of those re-words, right, to solve again. The reason that we have resolved is because we know that this is, this is the solution. Resolving to do the right thing when it becomes clear, cost what it may. Of course, there's no pat answer which can fit all such d dilemmas, but all of them do require a complete willingness to make amends as fast and as far as may be possible in a given set of conditions. After all, we should, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. For the readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of step nine. I'm going to go back into the big book for a second. And 
highlight a couple of things, and that is, pardon me. No. Uh, it says that we would go to any length for victory over lust. You know, it reminds me of that question that the sponsor asked me. Are you willing to go to any length to have a spiritual experience sufficient to bring about recovery from your disease? And that's really important. We'll talk more about that on 12. But we all block. It's just a question of where. You know? And when you hit that point, you know, it's kind of like, uh, excuse me, you said that you were willing to go to any length. <laughs> Has something changed? You know, has something caused you to change your mind? Are you no longer willing to go to any length? Uh, no. Okay, then you need to do what it says in the literature. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God knows about us. Uh, formula. We want to go to Him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. Confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit. Oh, forgiveness again. And we're going to be helpful. Confessing our former ill feeling. You know, I didn't have good, I had resentments, I was angry, I treated you badly. And expressing our regret. I'm sorry. I'm sorry because. It's ruined my life. Oh, it's, this is about you, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, but it's like, you know, I, I am sorry that I had those thoughts. You know, I was in error. You know, it was the best I could do at the time, but, you know, I see the error in my ways now. You know, I regret that I felt that way. And I don't got to drag up all the stuff that you did that made me feel like that. I'm just owning my stuff. Under no condition do we criticize such a person or argue. Simply we tell him that we will never get over our disease, lusting, uh, until we have done our utmost to straighten out the past. Reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. Before taking drastic action which might implicate other people, we secure their consent. That's at the top of page 80. And, you know, something that I found useful in dealing with my wife, uh, you know, on the, toward the top of page 82, and it says, perhaps there are some cases where the utmost frankness is demanded. No outsider can apprise such an intimate situation. It may be that both will decide that the way of good sense and love and kindness is to let bygones be, gotten, be bygones, each might pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind. Well, this is talking about, you know, talking about extramarital affairs, but it also applies to many other areas in our marriage. 
you know, uh, issues of housekeeping, issues of financial responsibility, issues of differences in how we raise the children, the discipline that we use. So, you know, and we get to a point where we're going like this, and it's like, you know, the truth is, there is a divine solution. There is a divine solution. There is a way to get to harmony between us. If we saw things the way that God sees things, there would be harmony between us. The problem is is that we don't see it. But the fact that we don't see it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So maybe we should pray about it, having the other one's happiness uppermost in mind, and we'll pick up a discussion on this further tomorrow, on Friday, next week, at some point in the future. But continuing to butt heads is not helpful at this point. Uh, also formula page 83 right above the uh, uh, beginning of the promises it says we should be sensible tactful considerate and humble without being servile or scraping as God's people we stand on our feet we don't crawl before anyone and then we get into the promises so We may not like the situation we're in, but we have to like ourselves in the situation. You don't have to like the situation you're in, but you have to like yourself in the situation. Uh, We recover only if we live these. One of the guys I was working with, young, young man, in his amends, he said, you didn't deserve to be treated like that. And it just had absolutely the ring of truth for me. It's like they didn't deserve to be treated like I treated them. You really didn't. You didn't deserve to be treated like that. The day I started to recover, my child did too. My amend for the past is to make the present different. And children have never been very good at listening to their elders that they have never failed to imitate them. By your efforts to make amends for past sins, you acquire strength to resist future tendencies thereof. So now it's story time. And, oh, one other thing. You know, part of the amends is, is the amends is the changed life. The, the transformation that we undergo is the change that happens. And a big part of making the amend is not doing it again. It's that change. And, you know, under spiritual spiritual amends, you know, with people that we may never see again or old acting out partners that would be toxic to... uh, having amend with them to be face to face in that area uh, or until that point where you can get that face to face or to have that kind of clarity and closure you know these memories that come up do not act out with the memory you know the amend is that every time that memory returns you know you put a lot of good energy there. You see that person well with God or God being in their life in a very real and meaningful way. 
but we lose the right to play with that memory and have some kind of euphoric recall or anything. Every time that person comes up, you know, we pray for them. That's the amend. You know, we don't get to relive and re-fantasize all that crap. It's like when that memory comes back, we're going to pray for these people. Instead of imagining how I can act out, I imagine how I can act well. I have this dog, Baggins, Miss Baggins, B-A-G-G-I-N-S, and it was the ugliest dog you ever saw. It, it, you know, it was a sharp and it had a smashed in face, a lot of wrinkles, and my, my wife, in a wet mouth, I mean, it was drooling all the time, and my wife absolutely wanted this dog, and we went through a whole thing getting this dog, but it ended up, we, we got this dog. And uh, of course, the dog loved me more, <laughs> and, uh, and I resisted it the whole time. But a turning point came, and I really enjoyed Baggins and and, uh, and loved that dog very much. And that dog taught me so much. And uh, and when that dog died, I grieved. I never grieved in my life, but I grieved for that dog. But we had moved from uh, Sacramento, California to Atlanta, and this is back in 19. This is. I don't think I had gotten sober yet in, in SA, so it was real late. We got there, I think, in September of 90, and I got sober in January of 91. So somewhere in there. My wife had taken a transfer. Uh, she went to work for the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And, uh, and I'm putting my resume out everywhere, and. I'm not getting the response. I mean, everybody should want you. And I wasn't getting that kind of reception. And I was pissed and, and uh, feeling depressed and having my self-worth challenged and one thing or another. And, you know, I'm uh, going out on interviews. And we had moved into corporate housing, which was basically a fully furnished two-bedroom apartment. And it had this... Uh, uh, had these mirror, uh, lamps, table lamps, and on the end table next to the sofa where the uh, the uh, telephone was with the answering machine, uh, there was this big, hideous glass, blown glass lamp. And uh, anyway, when Baggins was little, my wife used to call from work, and uh, and when I'd be home, and uh, and she'd say, "Put Baggins on," so I'd you know hold the phone down to Baggins' ear, and Baggins could hear. I mean. So, anyway, uh, I'm making, you know, I'm putting my resume out and talking to people and I'm giving the phone number and stuff and I'm coming home and the phone's off the hook on the floor and I'm thinking, you know, Baggins, you know, is, you know, you heard the phone ring or something and, you know, knock the phone off the hook and, you know, now they're getting a busy signal, you know, for hours on end and, you know, damn dog. So anyway, this is going on for you know, a week and a half or something, maybe two weeks, and I'm getting really tipped. I, first of all, nobody's leaving a message. Why? Phone's off the hook. Why is the phone off the hook? And dog. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I was frustrated and stressed and one thing or another, and I came home, and not only was the phone off the hook, the lamp 
was on the floor in 10,000 pieces of shattered glass. And I just lost it. You know, I thought, damn dog. You know, and I decided at that point that I was going to give myself full permission to rage at this dog. And I, now I didn't hit it. And uh, I've been hit. I don't like it. And, but, man, I could yell. And I just, ah, bad, bad, bad dog, bad dog, bad And she's got her tail down, you know, and she's slinking on the car. And I just followed her around from room to room, just screaming at her. Ah, ah, ah. And, uh, and after I had vented, you know, and I got it all out and stuff, I went and got a broom and a dustpan. I'm cleaning up the, uh, the glass and stuff. And in the kitchen, I hear my dog puke. And, uh, I mean, what an asshole, you know, make a dog puke. Oh, how do you make amends for that? I mean, and I've read enough pet psychology to know that, would you like to make your dog neurotic? Know, do something cruel and then say, Oh, what a lovely nice puppy and stuff. It's like, Oh man, you know, what a jerk. And then I thought back to an earlier event, and that was I uh, was going to school, I had been in this accident, and I was. I'd lost my craft, my profession. I'd never work in my trade again. And I was going back to school and I was getting a, some degrees and I was taking 21 units. I'm not an addict. <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, my life was tight. I think if I'd have gotten a flat, tour, my whole, flat tire, my whole semester would have imploded. <laughs> but I came home and it's like uh, a couple minutes before three. And, uh, and I walk in the house and there's the videos that we watched you know, that needed to be re- returned by so many days or you'd get the late fee or whatever. Oh, shit. So I grabbed the videos and jumped in the Audi out the door. Well, this was in Davis, California. And, like, there was, Davis is a planning community. And there wasn't a lot of development over in that area of town, but they had a two-lane street that was like six lanes wide. And they had a bike lanes in each direction and parking lanes, and then enough lanes for two lanes in each direction with a center island. Well, they had the center island, but it was like those double yellow lines that was like big island. And, uh, but they didn't have that much development, so they only had one lane in each direction. Well, I came out of the parking lot, I turned left, came up to the stop sign. There was a vacant field on the left, and they had built these townhomes uh, to the right. Not really townhomes, individual single-family residents, but they kind of look like townhomes, two stories tall, kind of narrow. And, uh, and this idiot on the corner, you know, was in this old ragtop Mercedes, and he's backing out of his driveway, and he sees me, and I start crossing the intersection, and he backs out right in front of me. What a jerk, you know, and I'm going like a quarter mile down the end of the road where the video place is in this strips center. And uh, 
So, you know, no big deal, right? So this guy starts up and it's like, first gear. <laughs> Screw him. Just downshift second gear. Right on by. And this guy's just right on me. I mean, just right on my tail. And I go flying down the end of the block, you know, a quarter mile. I'm probably at 55, 60 miles an hour. It's like 35 miles out. Who cares? There's nobody here. And so I go flying in this parking lot, and I get about, you know, two minutes before late fee. And this guy pulls him beside me, and he gets out of the car. And as I'm walking out with the videos, he gets in front of me. And first of all, the guy's like, Five four and maybe 130 pounds, and I'm six feet 170, and this is not good because I can be a bully, especially when I'm bigger. And you know, this guy goes, "Do you know how fast you were going?" I don't give about how fast I was going. And he says, "Well, do you know that there's little kids in the street, and you might have been, you might have hurt one of them." I said, I'd love to run over one of them little bastards. And to his credit, at that moment, that guy knew that I was a threat to him. And not really rational. And he turned around and he got in his car and he left. And I went in and I returned the videos. And now I'm pissed. Because I know that I owe him an amount. <laughs> And I was out of line, and it was inappropriate, and I owe an amend. Well, I did whatever else I need to do during the day, and about 9.30 that night, I called my sponsor, and said, Mike, i got a problem. You know, and I told him what I had done, and I said, you know, I don't really know how to make this amend, but, uh, you know, you think I should, you know, walk across the street and knock on his door and tell him I'm sorry? And Mike said, no, I don't think you should do that. Said, you know, if you did that, I'd shoot your fucking ass. <laughs> oh. And uh, I thought, what do I do? And he said, you're a man, Roberts. Is never... Do it again. Don't ever do it again. And I have. To this day. Never do it again. That's the amount. And that's how God changes us in this program. You know, I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a different man today. I still may have a lot of thoughts, but I'm not acting on them. I act differently. With Baggins, hearing her puking in the other room, I realize that I can't even vent my rage on an animal. There's no more raging for Robert. It's inappropriate, it's out of bounds. I don't get to do that anymore. It's not part of my recovery life. How do we make amends? In the making of amends, 
you know, it doesn't take too many helpings of humble pie before, you know, we get in situations where it's like, you know, if I do this, I'm going to owe that SOB an amend, and I hate him, and I'm not going to give him the satisfaction. And so we don't do it to begin with. We're changed at death. We still, still might not like it. We still might have all the old thinking and, and feelings. But we act differently. The amend is in the changed life. I think that's about all I got. I really like that saying of... Um, what you just to couple what you just said um, to know what you believe or what your convictions are don't look um, what your thinking is telling you but what your what your actions are telling you and an amendment was 15 years in the making and that was an amend to my first wife, Jenny. And after I got sexually sober, it was like, I really want to make this amend. I really want to tell her that it wasn't her in the marriage. That it was my frustration, my inability to deal with my sexual stuff that caused me to act the way that I did that really contributed to the failure of the marriage. And I'm happily married 20 years to Amanda. But I owe Jenny and Amanda. When I was married to Jenny, Jenny was a uh, real estate broker. And we lived in San Diego and we had a number of uh, properties, beach properties in Southern California and San Diego area. <coughs> and one of them, when we got divorced, we kind of split them up. And, uh, and one of them was uh, a limited partnership that we were involved in. It was a condo in Del Mar. And had we liquidated that interest at that time, we would have taken a bath. And, uh, and it wasn't in our best interest, and we really didn't need to. So we decided that when the term of the partnership was up and everybody cashed out, we'd split the proceeds at that time, which was some years down the road. Well, some years came, and... Uh, and it was time for Rosebud Limited Six, the name of the, the partnership, to uh, to be liquidated. And uh, and I called Jenny and, and said, you know, has this you know been liquidated yet? She said, no, 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 no. A period of months went by, and I kept no, 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 no. And I got the feeling that uh, I was being lied to, and that this it didn't smell right. So I called the general partner, and I said. Uh, has Rosebud Six Limited been uh, liquidated? He said yes. And I said, "Has the check was the was the check dispersed?" And he said yes. I got money coming. And then the question was, was the check made out to Robert and Amanda Manning or Robert or Amanda Manning? Now, <laughs> the difference is if it was Robert or Amanda or Robert or Jenny Manning, she could have signed her name and deposited it, and that would be fine. If it was Robert and Jenny Manning, 
then you got to have them both on there. And if she forged my signature, that's forgery, fraud. She loses her license. She's in big trouble. To his credit, this guy said, I don't remember. Let me find out. I'll call you back. Well, ten minutes later, the phone rang. It was Jenny. And... Uh, and she said, oh, you know, I thought I sent that out. You know, the check was made out. It fell behind the, you know, the whatever, wherever she kept the mail. And I'll uh, overnight it to you. I said, fine. And so uh, the next day, Federal Express, there came an uh, envelope with the uh, check in it for the proceeds. And a note. And the note said, Robert, please re- lose my name phone number, address, and never contact me again. So, what do I do? I want to make the amend. It's my amend. But I want to respect her wishes, and her wishes were very direct. Never contact me again. And over the years, I was ready to make the amend. I mean, I, God, I, I would really like to be of service. I would like to give her some relief from, you know, what a jerk I was all those years. <coughs> and, uh, and if it be thy will, I, you know, and I would see her, see people that looked like her in the grocery store or the, on the freeway or whatever. And, I mean, it was kind of like a constant presence in my life. And God did not see fit to have that happen. But then there was some legal stuff that happened, and I found need to contact her. Well, over the years, uh, I would call information in San Diego and ask if they had anybody registered in a uh, phone in her name and what they're I couldn't find her. Uh, as the internet developed, I tried to find her on the internet. Nothing. And uh, so. Now, I needed to contact her, and uh, ten minutes later, I had her name and address. Now, how does that work? I don't know. But uh, I was finally able to contact her about this issue, and that being said, it was like, Jenny, I owe you an apology. I really want to apologize for my bad behavior that not only, and I was sober, on and off for most of the time that we were married I had a couple of relapses (coughs) but I said in addition to my alcoholism I am also a a sexaholic and and I was acting out compulsive masturbation pornography blah 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 and uh, and we she was very appreciative of that and we had really good closure and after all these years I was finally able to take that last name off the list Anyway, that's kind of what I got on amends. Tell me. My understanding that Jenny was not aware of sexualizing out before before that phone call. That is correct. Yes, sir. I think that this goes back to where it's 
says there can be no hard and fast rules. I did not get I did not get my first step in my now former wife. I did explain to her that I was obsessed with lust and that, that was my problem. And what I did was I gave her a context that allowed her to make sense of the previous 18 years or however long it was. She probably knows to the day um, since she had to live with it. And that's probably one of the greatest events that I offered to her was to let her know that I got it, that, that it was not her fault. That, that, and also just to let her know that the same reality that she had lived through was not for me. And, uh, and, and again, I think that's why I heard you say you didn't get into the specifics of, of pornographic details, but rather just kind of allow the person to have some context. And that's the best, the best that, that, that was the best that I could have done all. That's good. And, uh, and before I do that, believe you may have talked this through with my sponsor. I wrote it down, he took his red pen, I know that's not allowed by school teachers anymore, but he took his red pen, marked out, and he asked, what, do you see how this looks like you're trying to make excuses? Do you see? And, and, and we got it to where it said what needed to be said. Took a lot of work, and I'm glad that I did it. Uh, just for the, to the rest of the story is that about uh, within the last month, uh, my son had his wedding down the party, and I sat as close as this to my now former wife for the evening with my sister, who she didn't like, and my current wife, and we had one. This this broken horse miracles. It really does. Richard. Can you make any comments um, about the indirect ends, partial ends, no ends? Talk you gave a great example of deferred ends, which you probably made. Right. Maybe those other categories that make comments and stories about. No? About what say say again the three in the rest of them, uh, uh no against the gospel um and the book about partial anything you want to say about you know deciding about when to do one interactive ends or or things you've done for interactive ends or anything you know that you want to really try to make those decisions. The uh, I know that I don't. I don't think that I would have as much experience as Robert does with it. But the experience that I have had with that, um, particular with, as I mentioned when I talked at the beginning, um, there have been people that I've I've done everything that is sanely reasonable in trying to contact some people, um, and I haven't been able to get in touch with them for whatever reason. And uh, so right now that's in that's in God's hands. And if that situation presents itself again, I've made the initial contact, left phone numbers. Then so be it. Um, there's one with 
my grandfather who's passed away, situation like that, working with the sponsor, you could write a letter. I've heard of doing that type of a thing. Um, I haven't had the personal experience. Maybe someone in here has. Maybe with someone that has passed away. I've heard of someone's, you actually having someone sit in as a uh, proxy uh, for one that, that maybe looks like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make that amend. That's a possible option for something like that. Um, there's one amend uh, that I have had to defer, I guess you would say, um, that involved stealing from a lawyer uh, down in Mount Pleasant, down in the Charleston area, uh, two of his firearms. And um, I talked to another lawyer that is in recovery down in Charleston, and he gave me, first I, I talked about it with my sponsor, and then I said, you know what, there's a guy that's been uh, in the program for about 20 years, and uh, he's a lawyer, and I bet he could probably give me some good guidance. And and he talked to me, and um, and he told me to really, I think, what, basically his direction was to give it some time and see how see how you know recovery continues to develop. This was a, a while back, and so basically something like that. Uh, he wanted me to work further with my sponsor and what have you, because that may have implied some. Some, some, I, yeah, further harms to myself and then my family. Like, you know, I go do that. He wants to press charges. I could go to jail. So, uh, I don't know. So, I guess it's, yeah, you have to deal with it on a case by case basis with the help of your sponsor. And I'm, and I'm still dealing with things like that with, with my sponsor now. So, on some amend, amend cases. I hope that answered your question to, uh, to the best of that I could. Yeah. Dave, have you ever uh, heard of amends uh, due to what kind of amends to someone you felt was uh, extremely abusive that hadn't changed? Uh, like no abuse, your amends, and further that? I don't want them treatment like that again. You, you know, you can make the amend, like with Frank. Uh, and what I did was, you know, I said that um, I used my silence and withholding of my love as a weapon with which to hurt you. And I'm not going. To, you know, amends follows kind of like a formula. You know, you do enough of these, and it kind of fits a pattern. <clears throat> and the pattern kind of looks like, you know. And this is the apology. You know, I apologize for my bad behavior. You know, fill in the character defect. You didn't deserve to be treated like that. And if we say that, you know, the reason that I treated you like that is because I've been sick. You know, we're not good and bad people trying to get good. We're sick people trying to get well. And I have a disease. And the disease is sexaholism. And, you know, you can say that 
you know, this 12-step program I'm in, I was acting in ways that were not, that were self-destructive and hurtful to other people, yourself included. And that tells them that the reason I treated you like that is because my thinking was screwed up. It's not because you're sorry SOB and deserve to be treated like that. It's like, you know, you may be a jerk and what you did wasn't right, but that's not the point. The point is, is that my thinking was screwed up and that I treated you this way because I didn't know how to treat you better. You know, I didn't have, have an appropriate way of dealing with this. And I did it inappropriately. I regret the harm that I've done to you. And we've already agreed that there were harms done, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be there making a mess. And, and I won't treat you that way again. You know, the amend is the change life. You know, if we've been mistreating people habitually and we tell them I'm sorry. You know, when I, when I got here, I used to say I was sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Man, I was a sorry son that you ever want to see. I mean, <laughs> and the words were meaningless. Oh, he's sorry again. Oh, he's sorry again. You know, who cares? Stop it. <laughs> Stop doing it. <clears throat> you know, I won't treat you that way again. And here's what I owe you. You know, if I owe money, you know, I don't show up with just, you know, bring something, bring them a partial payment, you know. You know, I think I owe you, you know, about so much money. You know, what do you think you owe me? And, uh, and if it's way out of line, you you know, I don't agree. You know, that's not fair. That's being, you know, abusive. That that's letting someone, you know, I think I owe you a hundred bucks. You owe me ten thousand. I don't think so. How do you figure? You know, it's like <laughs> no. Uh, you know, and some people, you know, will try to take advantage of us like that, especially if they're abusers. But it's like you have to be clear in your mind. You know what what is reasonable here, and what are we going to be forthright and generous? You know, maybe we will have to pay a little more. Well, so what? You screwed up. Hey, but not to the point where it damages us. Where to the point where we say. Man, that was stupid. You know, why did I agree to pay him a thousand dollars when it was only a hundred? No, uh-uh. That's not what recovery's about. It's like you say, okay, you say I owe you a thousand. I owe you. I think I owe you a hundred. Um, who can we get to, you know, uh, mediate this for us? You know, get somebody else, a disinterested third party, to come to some kind of thing. So, and what the book says, we work out the best deal that we can. Uh, and that is on page 78. And the second paragraph, last two sentences, arranging the best deal that we can. We let these people know that we're sorry. Our acting out has made us slow to pay. Uh, we must lose our fear of creditors no matter how far we have to go. We're liable to relapse if we are afraid to face them. So, you know, there may be that there, but, you know, the thing is, is that we're there to clean up our side of the street, but not to let ourselves be taken advantage of.
Because that's what got us here in the first place. Um, so it's kind of formulistic in that regard. It kind of falls into apology. I'm sorry. You didn't deserve to be treated like that. I regret you know, the harm that was done. Uh, I'm not going to do it again. Now, some people want to get into specifics. I don't recommend that. Like, you go to your wife and say, well, I'm really sorry, you know, for my mistreating you all these years, and especially, you know, that Thanksgiving when your mother was over here and I, you know, dumped gravy on her or something. And, uh, and she thinks, well, what about this time and that time? And, I mean, she's got this whole litany of, of offenses and it's like... Well, no, really, I didn't give a shit about those. <laughs> you know, how's that going to go over? <laughs> but if we say, you know, I'm really sorry for mistreating her, she's going to fill in the blanks. You know, she's going to fill in all those times. And if you only list the times that make sense to you, and she's got this big list of, well, I don't care about those. What about this and this and this and this? Now we're, you know, in this confrontation and things have gotten ugly. But if you leave it kind of general and if they bring something up, well, what about it? Exactly. You know, in that time too. Yes, and that would be true. How would you handle a spouse of the present time having a desire not to make amends to certain other women? Because it would involve a phone call and which was part of your acting out. That's a great question, John, and I get that frequently uh, from sponsees. And generally, I think it's a bad idea to go back to people that we have acted out with and and uh, and make amends. Uh, first of all, it's really seductive on our part. I mean, that's how it's perceived. I mean, oh, he's being nice to me, you know, and. I mean, it just, you know, first of all, they're sick as hell to be involved with us. <laughs> Sorry, but I mean, you know. <laughs> and, you know, if I go to an old art. If I go to an old acting out, <laughs> if I go to an old acting out partner and I say, "Well, I want to apologize for all that, you know, really kinky sex that we're having, it's really terrible, you know," and, and she's going, "I like it. What's the problem, you know?" And it's like, why am I telling her that, you know, there's something wrong with the way, you know, she lives her life and it's not a problem for her? Well, you know, what am I doing? I mean, I'm just making a mess of things here. Uh, I think that the amend, and what I do is I kind of leave it up to God. I prepare the amend as if I was going to have that face-to-face. But unless it's something particularly egregious, um, you know, it's like, if, if God puts that person in front of my face, it's going to be, you know, I'm really glad to see you. You've been on my mind lately, and I wanted to apologize for, you know, the discord and upset, emotional upheaval that we experienced, and 
you know, I am in a 12-step recovery pro program, and I wanted to let you know that you deserve to be treated better than that, and, uh, and I ask your forgiveness. But for me to go seek them out, <clears throat> every time I remember that person, I pray for them. And I never misuse that memory. I never get to play with that memory. When that memory comes up, it's kind of like, thank you, namaste. You know, uh, may God be with you. Sister, may no harm come to you by my hand. But when you do that repeatedly, those memories just go away. And what a relief, what a blessing. But if that person shows up, you know, now I got something to say. Yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, oh, oh. I know you categorized earlier PM. PM, yes. Um, it wasn't me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned it earlier. I'll go that. Um, getting more specific with this, are there more categories? Two, you repeat me one because kind of, I've heard Adam say that you know Robinson. Like, where I'm going with this is, I heard you say you wouldn't contact partners you acted out with. Is that correct? No, I heard you say it, kind of sure. For me, no. Okay. Where I guess I was coming from also is I've been married to Donald Trump acted out against them. Would they be in a whole a different category? Would you advise your sponsee if it was myself to make amends to them if it was appropriate? With the thought that my spouse now still is in disagreement with that. You know, <clears throat> there was a woman I got sober with when I was 22 years old, and she was 19. And her name was Laura. And this is back in 1974. And Laura and I had a history for, well, we dated for a while and uh, kind of grew up and recovered together. And I relapsed a number of times. She never did, and uh, and I ended up we separate, you know, kind of went our separate ways for a while. I was married for seven years, got divorced, and one night I walked in at the Friday night step study in Encinitas, and there Encinitas meeting, and there was Laura. And, I mean, we just came back together like we'd never been apart, and and, uh, and I went sailing uh, for a couple of years, came back. We hooked up up in uh, Northern California, lived together for a couple of months. It was terrible. Fought like cats and dogs. I mean, it was terrible. And uh, ended up leaving and moving over into the uh, gold country, Central California, uh, over in the foothills. And it took about two years to uh, kind of work out, make the amends, and kind of get that reconciliation between Laura and I. But at this point, you know, we'd known each other. 12 years, something like that, and, uh, and had this long history of, of uh, knowing each other and had these strong connections. And, uh, and then I met Amanda, and Amanda hates Laura. <laughs> and uh, never met her, didn't know anything about her other than Laura and I used to be together. And Amanda didn't want me to have anything to do with Laura. Well, you know, I kept at Amanda's like, 
you're saying that and Laura and I used to get together a couple of times a year for coffee and uh, we just you know kind of keep current one thing or another and Amanda you know would say I don't want you seeing her I don't want you going over there and I say well you know what you're telling me is you don't trust me and she goes no that's not what I'm saying I'm saying I don't want you to go see her and I was like and you know we went back and forth back and forth and I realized that this is about jealousy on the part of Amanda and it wasn't rational, and I couldn't, you know, explain it away. And it's like Amanda has real issues here. And I talked to my sponsor, and uh, and his answer was, "Pick the hills you're willing to die on." I go, "What do you mean? What's that mean?" <laughs> and he goes, "Pick the hills you're willing to die on." And I thought about it. And uh, I called up Laura and I said, I'm not going to meet you. I'm not going to call you. I'm not going to see you anymore. I met a woman who I'm going to marry and this plan that she doesn't want me to see you and I'm not going to see you anymore. And Laura didn't like that. And she understood it and respected it, but she didn't much care for it. And at that point, I made a point to myself that I don't go out with women on escort. If I can absolutely avoid it, I always have a third party or more people around, even business meetings. And yeah, it's Amanda's issue. But you know what? Knowing that she is of that condition, I can either exacerbate it or I can be helpful. And I try to put myself in a position where I don't have to raise all those issues for her. I don't know how to answer your question. You would be a far better judge of that than I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious though, because uh, when you were saying that, the thought that was going through my head at that time was, uh, you know, when I back it out, that I have, that I have, and when I said it, like when I back it out, that I have, um, uh, you know, done something to them to, uh, you know, uh, make them feel less than, or you know, you know, just some silly wrong behavior, or something that's really injured them. Just you talk to your sponsor, you know, and uh, and really go over it carefully, rehearse it, make a card, you know, have your ducks in a row, and leave nothing to chance. And the purpose of the visit is to make the amend get out of there. It's not to have a long lunch and rekindle friendships and everything else. 
I mean, I could be off the mark there, but I mean, for us, you know, this isn't somebody that I want to stay hooked up with. I'm there to be of maximum service to God and my fellows. I'm going to clear up the past as best I can, give you some relief, and I'm out of here. I'm not sure if it was necessarily a good idea or not, but it was one of my first sponsors had me uh, to the old world and I've been very emotionally abusive with and mentally manipulative. And uh, I had a pretty good idea of where she was living in her address. And I was married at the time, so he had me write a letter, basically taking responsibility of my mom. I sent the letter without a return address. I like that. Mm-hmm. Want to take a break? Mm-hmm. Before we do, I'd like to read the There may be some wrongs we can never fully right. We don't worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. Some people cannot be seen. We send them an honest letter. And there may be a valid reason for postponement in some cases, but we don't believe it to be a rule. We should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or straight. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't fall before If we are painstaking about this phase of ourselves, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will learn peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude now upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled upon us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. This thought brings us to Thank you, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Bill. Great. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.